Hello and welcome to Philosophy with Will Anderson. I am Will Anderson from the title of the podcast. I'm going to be quick because I have nothing to plug. Well, not nothing. Uh, We're legal uh, in June in Newcastle. I think it's like June the 16th or something. But anyway, comedy.com.au, it is over 70% sold out and it's on in June. So I'd suggest getting get in this week for tickets. It'll probably sell out this week or the week after. So if you're in Newcastle and you want to see me in June, uh, buy some tickets to that. But otherwise, I've got nothing on sale. I hope you... Uh, enjoy this episode. It's with Michael Hing. Now, Michael Hing is a very funny stand-up comedian, uh, media performer, but he's also running for parliament. He's running for the Senate in New South Wales in the election. Now, he's actually doing it as a bit of a joke, but we start with explaining the joke and then we, you know, move on to a broader conversation around it. Uh, next week or in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to catch up with Alex Dyson, who a lot of you will know um, from uh, Triple J Breakfast back in the day. Alex Dyson worked with Tom Ballard and Matt O'Kine. Alex is running for parliament seriously. So this week, kind of a bit of fun. Hingers is having a bit of a joke, but uh, I'm going to bring you a podcast with Alex Dyson, who is uh, seriously running for uh, politics. Uh, He has uh, a bunch of reasons that he really feels that young people have been let down by the current political system, and he wants to represent the views of young people and the opportunities uh, that they... Well, anyway, I'll talk to Alex about that, but I'm just giving you a bit of a preview. Today's one's funny. Funny, having a bit of a joke, having a bit of a laugh. Next week, serious. There you go. I didn't really need to probably tell you that. But anyway, you're probably not even listening in order. Rosie, I said it was going to be quick. And then I just, I start to have some self-doubt. Rosie's <laughs> giving me the double thumbs up, which has not helped me at all. It felt sarcastic. I don't, oh, there we go. Double middle fingers. Anyway, I uh, hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, share it around. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to Philosophy with Will Anderson. I am Will Anderson from the title of the podcast and this is how the podcast starts. Oh, so uh, when you hear this, it'll probably be a week or so on from it, but um, it is uh, currently Good Friday. Uh, It is Good Friday. Uh, It is three days ago at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival and it's fair to say that uh, at 45 years old, uh, I am not limping to the line. I think the shows this week have been the best they've been of the entire run. In fact, I think, you know, in a show sense, it's sprinting home. But in a my body recovering after the race sense, <laughs> look, you know, it takes all day. It takes all day to get me up again for a show that night, put it that way. We have to nurse me through the day. So today has involved sleeping in, uh, playing with the animals in the morning, eating some toast, drinking a couple of cups of tea. And now I'm going to have a lovely uh, podcast conversation. Uh and then uh, basically what's going to happen is I'm going to lay on the couch all afternoon watching basketball before I go in for the show tonight. So there's a little insight into where I am. I'm in my tracksuit pants. We're at home. The cat's up here. Justin Hamilton's in the house watching basketball with the dogs. Uh, it is a lazy Good Friday. I wanted to set the mood before I introduced our guests, you know, so people <laughs> really know. Really people's expectations for the energy levels of the uh, well, podcast. Well, for my energy levels sure. of the podcast, guests, what is your name? Uh, hello, I'm Michael Hing. Hello, Michael Hing. Nice to have you on the podcast. Now, the reason I wanted to say all that was that 
Um, I often like to put in context why the guests are on the show or, you know, because everybody who, is, who does this show has some sort of connection to me. Um, mostly out of necessity. This isn't a big show. I don't, you know, it's not like I have a talent booker. It's not like Kylie's knocking on the door going, can I come on the podcast? But so everyone who tends to be on this podcast is, uh, you know, uh, related to me or my life in some way generally. And uh, um, so ordinarily... I would have said, let's do this podcast after the comedy festival. That's the reason I say it. But I actually wanted to get it done while you were in town, while we we're in the same place. Because, uh, Michael, you are currently in the middle of something that is of great fascination to me. And I wanted to talk to you about it regardless and find out all about it. So I was like, well, it's lucky that I have an appropriate forum where we can do this conversation yeah, and like record can, it. and We can monetize this somehow. It, exactly. <laughs> well, if you can ever work out how we can monetize it, please feel free <laughs> to give me advice on that as well. Michael's walked into my office, seen that I've got a, what is it? A Google. A Google. You don't even know what it's called. No, I don't even know what it's called. It's called a Google Wi-Fi unit. It's a Wi-Fi unit. Yeah, it's an extender. And I saw that you've not unpacked it. And then no. you said it's been in there for months. A month at least. A, yeah, and a I said. Minimum a month <laughs> I, said, I said honestly this is stressing me out that you've not unpacked it give me 10 minutes and i'll set it up for you i mean i felt a little judge but i also was like i hope he's not joking i really it would be great if he would set that up for me so michael um tell people before we get to your philosophy or should we get you tell me should we should i ask you your philosophy first or should we talk about what you're doing at the moment and then i should ask you about your philosophy i th- think let's talk about the thing and then yeah, go on okay, the philosophy. Good. yeah okay. i think this is i think this is like a funny thing yeah, yeah. I, this that's yeah, yeah. I, that was the order i would have thought to do it as well but i wanted to you know if, if your philosophy had informed the other thing then maybe we would have done it the other way around so nah. um all right so tell us firstly then <laughs> okay. what, what are you doing <laughs> so um i and i should say this started out as a joke and it's sort of it sort of has uh, got a bit of steam behind it um but i am running for the Australian Federal Senate um, in the upcoming election, which is May 18, I think. Mm. I um, think is not probably what you want to hear from your <laughs> elected representatives around the day that they might have to start their new job. It's true. Um, yeah, so what happened was I um, I thought of a funny idea for a, a video with some friends yes. and it was a kind of a parody video of the... Of, of like the One Nation political campaigns that have been running in Australia. Um, if you're not listening to Australia, they're like a, I guess like a far right party who have had problems with people who look like me in the past. Um, also, if you don't know who I am, I'm, I'm Chinese. <laughs> I should yeah. say that as well. Oh, well, uh, luckily on this podcast, uh, James Fosdyke always draws, does a lovely drawing of someone. So someone's probably actually seen what you look like. That's true. Yes. Already. Yeah, but yeah. yes. A really racist caricature of what I look yeah, like. If you, didn't, to... if you didn't pick it up from the, the picture. <laughs> the triangle hat. The... <laughs> exactly. No. The fact that James James has drawn him in a rickshaw, as is our tradition. <laughs> Riding a dragon, yeah. Exactly. Um... <laughs> and uh, the fact that Michael's come into the podcast and uh, asked to set up my technology in 10 minutes. Fulfilling most Asian stereotypes. <laughs> yeah. It's, look, there's truth in all of those. Anyway, um, so what happened was I had, some, I had a joke with some friends about how uh, I was thinking about um, starting a political party as a joke to run against One Nation, and I was going to call the political party the One Asian uh, Party, which is like, that's an easy pun. We all love jokes. You are One Asian? Yep, exactly. It's technically correct? <laughs> yes. I can't, there can't be any leadership spills. I'm the only person of the party. I mean, that's something that in, in the Australian political system, <laughs> exactly. if you can just guarantee no leadership spills. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's tough if you lead the leadership, if you lose the leadership of a one man party, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Suddenly you're looking in the mirror going, I have, oh, you have my full support. You're I, plotting behind your own back. I voted myself out. Yeah. 
and uh, <laughs> I've resigned. Um, and, and so we made this little video just like, that was literally it. it was like talking about how uh, there are a lot of, in Australia, because of the weird way the electoral system works, it is more likely um, than in other places that, you know, minor parties and like often offbeat weirdos and randoms and nobodies like myself could just get elected, right? Well, um, we've seen this quite yeah. famously in Australia that there's been some people with very outrageous and extreme opinions who have been elected under this system. Now, the yeah. system itself is set up because it was meant to be a system that represents all Australians yeah. rather than uh, represents, you know, just the two major parties or the Absolutely. sort of, you know, the big corporations of governance. There should be a chance for ordinary people to be elected to our parliament. So there's good ambitions behind totally, totally. why the system exists that way. And, um, and Yes, absolutely. The I think the tricky thing with it is that... Um, because of the way the maths can sometimes work out, uh, again, stereotypes. Yeah. Um, it's like, I'm an Asian, I'm good with maths. I'm going to rob um, this in. Because of, the, <laughs> because of the way that the electoral maths sometimes uh, falls out, you can have people elected um, to the Senate with very few votes. For example, Fraser Ranning, the sort of far-right um, senator who recently blamed uh, the horrible shooting in Christchurch on Muslim immigration rather yeah. than the person who actually perpetrated it, you know, he was elected to the Senate on like 19 votes. That's, mm. that's as many primary votes as he got, 19, which is like, I mean, he's a federal senator. That man is earning $200,000 a year, right? Mm. Like, it, it's, it, that is bizarre to me. You know, there was a guy called Ricky Muir a couple of years ago who, um, got a, who, who was from the Motoring Enthusiast Party and he was elected in Victoria as a senator with less than 1% of the vote. Like, so there's little quirks like that that occasionally pop Ricky up. Ricky Muir, uh, famously, uh, from a little place called Denison in country Victoria. Hey, I hear. Uh, where I am from yeah. also. And uh, up until Ricky Muir, I was pretty confident that I was the best known person who'd ever come out of Denison. But 250 people, I thought I had that one locked in and then our bloody Ricky Muir from the Motoring Enthusiast Party came along. So you have a, a long-standing feud with him now over that? Muscling into my turf. Now the um, the Notable People Wikipedia page from Denison yeah, now has two entries, which is quite cool. <laughs> Denison's so small that the Notable People page is literally the entire population of Denison. It's everyone yeah. in, the, in the town. Um, so, okay, so you think of this funny video. video. And then last Thursday, we thought um, we would just tweet it out and put it on Facebook because we thought it was a good day to do it. Yeah. You know, what we, so we put it up in the morning because people were going to work. We thought people might watch it on the way to work. And then, like, what we didn't account for was. Now, like, when you say we, you probably should explain who we are. It, it's me and a couple of friends, um, some of whom work in the industry and some of whom are just like literally like people I've texted and like people I've known since high school, people I've known since like uni and stuff. And people that you are traditionally making things with or just uh, for this instance? A mix of both. Mix so of some, both. some people I've, I've worked with in the past to do like comedy stuff with. Um, and, you know, I guess I don't want to out them because... No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just interested in like what the makeup of the... Oh, sure. So the creative about, team behind this o- a, where this idea came from. There's about eight of us. Yeah. And um, in, in total... But in terms of all the legal documents, it's just me. Yeah. But really, realistically, the creative team is about eight of us. And um, any of them with any political experience at all? Uh, I mean, not that I know. Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah. maybe I should have done some more vetting. Maybe I should have asked. <laughs> maybe I should have asked at this point. But I'm going to be honest, I don't know. I think I think. I have no idea. Of- I don't even know three of their last names. I've got to be honest with you. And all white people look the same to me, so... <laughs> I feel like I should have. I feel like some of them have probably been 
uh, as we all were at uni, probably involved in like yeah. joining a political society or sure. something. But no, no heavy hitting political no. operatives, or no. you know, not not someone who's the vice president of Get Up or <laughs> well, Captain uh, Get Up is Captain Get Up involved <laughs> yes. at all? Yes, uh, Tony Abbott. Yeah. It's, um, no, well, I'll come back to that in a second. Okay. Um, right. So. I uh, so we thought we'd put this up on on the Thursday on Thursday morning, and when we put it out, we thought, ah, oh, this is going pretty well. People seem to find this video pretty funny. And then what we didn't account for was like forty minutes later, I think Scott Morrison, the Prime Minister, called the election, and that meant that this was no longer just a funny joke because in the coverage of the election, suddenly it was part of that news story. So suddenly it was like the Prime Minister's called the election, and also this weird thing. And so I think, I think working in the media, I think that's probably why it got picked up by a lot of media is because it was on the back of the election being called. Um, Suddenly in the newspaper, radio, media world, whatever, there is a desire. The focus is on the election. Like in grand final week, they'll interview, you know, fans or mascots or whatever, because the focus of everybody's attention is we want to hear stories about the grand final. Exactly. In that same way, you were a, a good, fun, funny, quirky story about the yeah. election, when suddenly everybody's interested in the election. Yeah, and then that just, I mean, you know how the media works. It begins to snowball, right? Yeah. So you do a thing and then people cover it and then people, that, that coverage being unexpected becomes a story and then people go, oh, well, let's look at the original thing and then that just snowballs and snowballs. So in the first couple of days, um, it got picked up by like little like youth media who we thought might have picked it up anyway, like Junkie and Pedestrian. Um, and then like it's, it, it was in the Independent in the UK. It was like... I mean, the, the biggest one for me is Lad Bible picked it up, and that is <laughs> that's that was the real winner for me. Did you ever imagine that one of your things would feature on Lad Bible? I, look, I'll be honest, I didn't, uh, but you know, I'll take it. I'm going to use it as a poster quote next year at the comedy festival. Um, and you know, when we, was when this was happening, I said to my friend, "Hey, um, let's." Um, I said to my friend Ellie, who's helping me out with this, I said mm. to her, "Like, let's um, let, let's let's have a plan. Let's like, see how far we can take this. This could be a funny joke. Let's um." Why don't we see if we we'll keep pitching this to people and we'll see if we can get on the project? That because that's a, like a pretty big Australian TV show. I've never done the project before. That they do serious political interviews and they also do comedy, so this feels like a good right. thing for them. Good mix, right yeah. in their hitting zone. And so I thought, like, okay, I'm gonna well, we'll get annoying to them. We'll start pitching myself to them like every couple of days and see if. It, and then literally. 20 minutes after we had that conversation, my phone rings and it's someone from the project being like, hello, we'd like to have you on tonight. <laughs> and it's like, well, I, this we, is... We had a plan to arrest you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't even have to. <laughs> and so that was when I kind of started realising, oh, this is picking up more steam. Like, this is bigger than I ever thought it would be. Yeah. So now I'm running for Senate. Well, with what, with what I thought was a joke. Okay, so but talk me through how... You've, you've walked me up to the line, but you haven't really still told me about the moment because in this process it does go from a moment where it's a joke and you're having some fun with it and you're you're making a point like it's not just the joke it's a joke that has a point attached to it and you have an opportunity when you're talking about the joke to you know be talking about the point so that in itself is a good thing and that could have been all it was and that still would have been a very (laughs) you know good thing that had happened but that moment where you just go all right well no no we're going to turn this joke into like, we're going to do this. So you've got to start thinking then, when we say we're going to do this, what do we mean by we're going to do this? Are we just going to find out how it works and sign ourselves up and just kind of continue the joke a little bit more? Or does the joke now become a whole different thing? So where are you at on that? What happened and where are you at right now on that? Okay, so the next thing I did was go and check my bank balance because uh, <laughs> you need $2,000 to register to run for the Senate. And uh, look, as a comedian, I don't mean to brag, but 
I, that that was a question. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was, was a question you at least had to check on. Yeah, I was like, I don't know if I've got the cash. Um, so you, you've got to get that money, and then there's a bunch of forms you've got to fill out. Um, you need to you need to have like a hundred a hundred people to nominate you, which was pretty easy to to get. Uh, and you need to fill out a bunch of forms and declare like you've never been bankrupt and a few other things. Um, that you're not a dual citizen, you know, for example. Mm. And then you've got to hand deliver those papers to the Australian Electoral Commission. So at the point of recording, uh, like I think we said at the top, this is a good, this is on Good Friday. Um, the deadline for submitting those papers is the 23rd of April. So we've, we've basically walked up to the line, we've filled, filled up all the paperwork and we're just waiting until then to, to submit it because, I mean, basically, I, I want to make a video out of it and <laughs> I, wanna, I thought it'd be funny to do that. Um, so I'm waiting to, yeah. I'm waiting to do that on the deadline. Um, and yeah, it, I, I guess the next thing we had to think about was like, what do we actually want to achieve with mm. this, right? Because look, you know, Australia has this weird electoral quirks, but still the maths is kind of a coin flip sometimes in terms of how the preferences, you know, um, pan out. So it's, it, it's still a long shot that I would ever get elected. So it's like, once you realize that I'm probably not going to be a senator, like what do you want to achieve? Um, and like you said, it's like, it's about educating people and it's about seeing like how far this system, uh, how far I can be taken by the system and the media and whatever else, given that I've said publicly, I don't have any policies. I've got no experience. I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm doing. And people are just like, yeah, that sounds cool. Like, <laughs> yeah. Lisa is the guy who, they're all that. Yeah, exactly. But at least this guy knows he's that. Yeah. At least he's being open and honest about it. It was like, I mean, like, like the project uh, interview I did, right? I, I was like a five minute or four minute interview or something. It was real quick. And then after, and I said, during the thing, I said, they said to me, like, what are your policies? And I was like, I don't know. Some guy tweeted at me that he wanted to make Gosleme the national food and someone else wanted me to legalize weed. Like, that's all I've got so far. But if you want anything else, ask me, right? <laughs> That was that was literally it. And then when the interview cut, I feel like you could actually get a you know coalition between the guy who wants legal weed and the guy who wants Gosleme <laughs> yeah, as the national yeah, food. Though, yeah, it's true. I feel like you could get those two to form some sort of secret coalition. Yeah. But then when the interview ended, like Walid Ali, who the host of the project, who like his, you know two two weeks ago was interviewing Scott, Scott Morrison, Morrison, right? He he then, current prime minister yeah, at the time of recording. Yeah. When that when that when the interview ended, he said like, and I wasn't in the I didn't see this until afterwards. He goes, yeah. oh. I reckon that was the most honest political interview I've ever done or whatever, we've ever done the show. And then Georgie was like, oh, that was the best fun I've had doing a political interview in 10 years. And I was like, what do you mean? I'm yeah. an idiot. No, you're King Ralph again. Yeah, exactly. You are. <laughs> I mean, it is a bit of a meta commentary though on that idea that, you know, I mean, look, we look at the, you know, free world and I'm sure that there are people who disagree with the idea that Donald Trump is an idiot, but I don't think many of those people are listening to this podcast, so I think we're in a safe space. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, like on a meta level, that idea of somebody just kind of promising that he would drain the swamp and tell it like it is and, you know, be it, like even if it's not true, that creation that pe- people want to believe in that. They want to believe in someone being honest as a result of the fact that we're so sick of all the manipulated bullshit. And that's not just a thing in politics. I think that's a thing in all of our lives, right? I think especially as comedians, you come to understand very early on in your career that I think people really connect with authenticity, you know? Um, I think with the kind of, with the kind of like confessional or like, like, I guess like what you would describe as like, quite like real world stand-up comedy where you're talking about real things and real things have happened, not like the sort of fictional or character-driven stuff that other people that other people do and are really good at. Um, 
But with when you're talking about life and when you're talking about the world, people connect with the authenticity of that more than anything else, right? Like, oh, I, I think that, that's a theory. I well, have. you know, these are all theories. Yeah. But I've been thinking about authenticity a lot recently. I mean, comedy festival, you think a lot. You know, you're doing 20 shows. You, you are in a world of comedy. You're seeing other things. If you weren't thinking about comedy constantly and if it wasn't firing bits of your synapses and you know like making you think about what's working and what's not working then you probably need to do something else like that's that's when you should be thinking about those things and so i have been thinking about it a lot one of the things that's really been connected with my audience this year is that um so at the start of the run i had all these like things that i wanted to say but the first three or four shows, I didn't actually feel like all these opinions were authentic. But the way I was presenting them, I don't think was authentic. Because right. even in constructing the authenticity of my thoughts, they had become inauthentic. Yeah, Does I that know. make sense? I, t- I totally know what you mean. Because right. you're like, this is a thing I believe with my whole heart. Yeah. But I'm having to illustrate it to people who might not understand the full context of things. So I'm slightly moving things around or manipulating the dates of a story or the, 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 the specifics of a thing. But I'm trying to make a broader point. And then right. sometimes that thing... It, you know, it's like it's like even a, though the thing is true or the belief is true, it is become inauthentic by the way that it's been constructed. Yeah, yeah. So I've been doing a lot of crowd work. Like when the show clicked, was I've been doing some crowd work, and then I use the the vibe of what's happened out of that to then inform the material and go into it. But I realize I'm being auth- like crowd work. The reason it connects with the audience so much, I've always thought, it's because everyone's seen what it is and everyone gets the same information and they know they're getting something special just that night. And all those things are true. But I think it's also because it's when I'm being most authentic as a performer because I don't have time to construct or think about the way that I want you to think about me or that I want to say something. I have to react immediately. So you're getting me. Absolutely. Good, bad or indifferent, how I <laughs> respond is... 100% me and it's and it's genuinely authentic and I feel people connect with that. So the idea that authenticity is something that people naturally connect with, someone just being honest about who they are, I think there is something genuinely to be said for mm. that. Yeah, I... I I'm- the, the, I mean, I guess, I guess we're getting kind of deep now, but the only time in which I think that's... The podcast is called Willosophy, <laughs> it's Michael. It's but, fine. We're allowed to get as deep as we like. I think, it's Good Friday, mate. If we can't <laughs> contemplate on this most holy of all days, what day can we contemplate? And, and I, but I, I also think that... Oh, this is... this is I mean, this is... That inauthenticity can be a form of authenticity if you're upfront about it. So what, when I, 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 I kind of stopped myself before when I was talking about like the authentic nature of comedy because there are so many comedians who I love who are purposefully obscuring who they are from the world. And they are doing that by saying like, hello, I'm a character or hello, I'm an alien or whatever the, yeah. whatever the conceit is, right? And I, and I always find that stuff really good. And I didn't want to f- like feel like I was bad-mouthing them or saying that that wasn't real or whatever. Because when someone is presenting themselves as a character, it, it's often a caricature of a thing and it's obvious that it's a character. And I think that upfrontness about, hey, I'm not real and this is a facade is in a way an admission of the dishonesty of the entire thing. And so that is in and of itself an authentic moment. Yeah, but also the idea that, I mean, authenticity is just one thing that people connect with. It's not the only thing that Mm. people are looking for 
from Absolutely. there. Like some people would go, yeah, he's authentic, but he's authentically an idiot. And <laughs> he's authentically, not, and, he's genuinely yeah. very unfunny. I mean, <laughs> oh yeah. But like, or with your thing where you go, you're being honest, I have no policies. Some yeah. people would be like, oh, isn't that great? He's being honest. Yeah. And some people would be like, uh, no, I'd prefer someone who's got some policies or at least you? willing to lie about the fact that they have policies. Can I, can I, I don't want Obama getting up there being all authentic. <laughs> going, got no idea what I'm doing, to be honest. Well, can I don't, when I told my parents I was running mm. and I feel like this is a thing you've talked about in the podcast before is like how do your parents feel about the thing you're doing. Yes. Um, I said to mum and dad, who have generally speaking been as supportive as you can imagine uh, two Chinese parents would be of the rest of my career. Uh, <laughs> they, they said to me, uh, when I said that, hey, I'm doing this thing, I think it's going to be yeah. kind of funny, I'm running for Senate. And, my, and I was like, and I, I kind of like jokingly said to my mum, oh, I hope I can count on your vote. And my mum said to me, oh, Michael, look, I think it's a bit of a conflict of interest for me to vote for you. <laughs> I was like, what? And she's like, well, you can't really vote for your own children. It's not really fair to the other candidates. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> I mean, maybe that's a nice way of her saying, uh, yeah. maybe you should get some policies yeah, well, then that my appeal to your mum. Then my dad was like, because yeah. like, I was at their place, and my dad was like, Michael, um, you know, d- democracy is quite a, a, a serious thing, and you shouldn't be making fun of it like this. And and he and he was like, he was like, what if you get in? Like, what are you going to do? And they 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 know me very well, yeah. so they're terrified. You know, <laughs> they, don't, <laughs> they don't want this to happen at all. I mean, that's a good video. Yeah, yeah, you should, yeah. You should do it with the video with them, <laughs> just being offering like- their concerns. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's the first time that a um, political hit ad has been yeah. put out by the person's the parents. parents. <laughs> I, I actually don't think it is. I yeah, think it, there was I one in America is. last year that right. was pretty yeah. similar. But, We've known Michael for 33 years and he's a fucking idiot. Yeah, there was one in the US last year where I think the parents and like seven of the brothers and sisters or something essentially put out an ad against their own brother. <laughs> Just be like, this guy Just like, sucks. Seriously. <laughs> we all agree and we're his family he sucks <laughs> do not vote for this guy um oh. all right so uh what has happened since you have actually kind of declared the um, fact that you are you actually are running and what does that actually mean that you're now running so what i uh so what i what i backed off from before when we were talking about the political staffers yeah. and stuff is that a few like political staffers and ex-staffers have gotten in touch with me right. being like, hey, this is really funny. I, you know, is there any way I can get involved? And I haven't, I've just said to them all right now, like, hey, I, we're still working things out. I'd love some help in the future. But right now we're still, because I don't even know what the laws are on this stuff. Right. And I don't want to like hire a bunch of people and then do some, you know, elections are, yeah. they're, 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 there's rules. Yeah. <laughs> you can't. So I don't want I don't want to do anything illegal. No, uh, and so I'm. So and you I'm, probably don't have the time at the moment to be back around researching yeah, someone. I mean, yeah. it's really complicated. I don't know this guy Sam Dastiari is, but I assume he's got a clean record. <laughs> yeah, he, he's got a lot of connections to these Chinese people. Yeah, they could be a good constituency right. says, for me. He says he's. He says he's got a direct line to the Chinese community. <laughs> oh, great. Um, so yeah, so a, a couple of people have gotten in touch and they they want to chat about various. Um, you know, how they can help out and things. And I haven't, I, I, I've, I've sort of replied to a few of them being like, hey, you know, let's just hold off for a bit and we'll yeah. work out into what we're doing. But the most interesting one was that there's a guy called Glenn Drury who is the guy they call the preference whisperer. Mm-hmm. And he's the guy who got the person we're talking about before, Ricky Muir elected. He's the guy who got Darren Hinch elected. Or he's one of the people. I shouldn't say he's yeah. the only person, but he was a stuff for those guys. And he's like a maths nerd who, who knows how all these preference deals work out. And he basically called me, well, he actually sent me a text that said, hello, Michael, my name is Glenn Drury. Let's have a conversation. And that's a terrifying text to get because I didn't know how he got my number. It was from a, like it was from an unknown number. Um, and then he linked an article about him. 
in the next text message. <laughs> and I, like, that's, a, that's like a funny thing to do, but it's also like, it's kind of like when, um, you know when someone does an impression in comedy and the first thing they do in the impression is say like, hello, I'm Tony Abbott. And you're like, well, if you have to say your name, maybe the impression's not that good. It's the same kind of thing, right? When he's uh, when when he like sends me, oh, I'm Glenn Drury, and then doesn't explain who he is, just like sends me a, you know, if you've got to send me an article saying who you are. Anyway. Uh, well, did, he didn't say I'm Glenn uh, the the preference whisperer. No, that, that, well, you got to say the preference. Whisperer. Yeah, exactly. I can I can use context clues to work out who you are. Then yeah, that's uh, fine. Yeah, just say it's me. Yeah, Glenn the preference whisperer Drury. Yeah, like like, like he's a professional wrestler. Yeah, I get exactly. It. Um, so he he sent me that, and then I I googled him and read the article, and I was like, oh wow, this guy's legit. Like yeah. he. You know, he is. He's the yeah, preference with yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, I've been talking to him about the best way to, um, you know, move my preferences around because I don't want to. I want to be responsible with this, even though it's it's a stupid thing for a comedian to say. But even though this is a joke, I I don't actually want to fuck anything up. No, um, no. I think that's a perfectly yeah. legitimate thing to say. Uh, and well, yeah. I, I mean, if all jokes had to have disastrous consequences, it <laughs> yeah. would be actually quite a cruel industry we'd ended ourselves into. Michael. Yeah, we, yeah, you know, that's why I got into this. I got into this business to <laughs> yeah. ruin the, to ruin the country. Yeah, my comedy career is based on the Joker, <laughs> the literal depiction of the Joker in the Batman movies. I just am here to destroy things. Um, yeah, so I had a meeting with him on Monday, and he was basically saying, "Look, I want to get you in the room with." Um, you know, the Shoes and Fishers and the Animal Justice people and the Flux Party, like all these different minor parties. And he's like, and, and you know, and the, the more I thought about it, I was like, well, <sighs> preference deals in Australia. I think another thing people don't know is preference deals in Australia are very rarely are they like legally binding documents, right? Mm-hmm. They are just handshake deals that are done between people in back rooms. And because all of the people who are in that room with me are going to have like nailed on ideological policies. Like the shooters want more guns and the animal rights people want more animal rights kind of thing, you know, and I'm a blank canvas. Like if I was a proper dickhead, I could wander in there and just promise them all everything and then get all their preferences and then walk out and fuck the system. Like there's no, like the whole thing's a mess, Will. Do you understand? Well, so, but that's, so we were talking about this before we started the podcast, Mm. but so this is the area you now find yourself in, which is this area where you've had this joke and then you've kind of continued the joke, but now you're in it. Yeah. Like you're in the murkiness of it and you've got an opportunity in some ways to talk about it's these a, things it's and so share slimy. with people how the system works. Yeah, because and I don't think people know this. I think when you when you go to vote in Australia, often the, the candidate who you might want to vote for, there'll be representatives of that candidate at the polling place and they'll give you a little piece of paper that says, This is how you should do your votes, right? Yes. And you just you just go, Oh right, well this is how the Greens want me to vote, or this is how Labour or Liberal want me to vote. I'll just fill out my ballot paper the way they're telling me to. Yeah. Right. Now what you don't know is necessarily all of the policies of those other parties. You're no. just trusting that the person you were going to vote for has good judgment about those things. But in reality, those policies that you might care about might not necessarily line up with your actual preferences uh, because that's not on the piece of paper. It's just a series of numbers. And so, like, it, it's like you don't, you, you're actually, you feel like you're not wasting your vote because you're type, like you're writing what they want you to write. But in actual fact, it's so uninformed. And there could be like one thing where you really care about climate change, for example, and so you go, oh, right, well, I'd like to vote for the climate change party. But you know, because the person who you would like to vote for first has put that as their fourth policy preference, you know, you actually, if you follow their policies, you're actually voting for, you know, a, a, a tax issue or a border security issue or an immigration thing instead. And, you know, people aren't informed. People don't realize that this is how the system works. It's just backroom deals. 
Uh, and now you have an opportunity to be involved in some of those backroom deals, which is you know, uh, even better. And, and, and you know, it, it's it's one of those things where it's this is a joke, and it's I think it's very funny, but also it's t- it's terrifying to be part of now. Um, right? You know. Yeah, I was going to ask that. Is there moments where you think, "What have I?" Yeah, like because. You now kind of have to commit to it. Yeah, right. Like if, you've, yeah. you've done enough now that you're like, it'd be. I mean, you could pull out. Yeah, you could let it all go away, but it feels like to me like you're you're in so far in now yeah, exactly. that you might as well. I might as well. I mean, it's. Just I mean, it's only May 18, yeah, isn't exactly. it? It's like <laughs> the the yeah, totally. The, well, I mean, unless you get elected to the Australian Senate, <laughs> well, of course. It's, it's May 18 for six years. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> six oh, years. Yeah, might have to get some policies. <laughs> might have to work on that Gosling May policy. <laughs> it's two hundred grand a year, Will. Yeah, that's pretty. That's like that's all right, money. You know, I'd do that. You get a free car. You get did you? They get um, housing allowances as well. Like they, like we as taxpayers, we don't just pay for. We pay for their, them to have Commonwealth cars. We pay for them to have you know our houses in different parts of uh, the country so they can fly around to the constituencies. Like we pay for their travel. Like there's just. I, I, what I was thinking I could do is I could line up gigs in various places where I've got a campaign, mm. and then you know, like I mean, that's gonna that's gonna take a lot of the budget out of the comedy festival too. I mean, just call them stump speeches yeah, or exactly. something. I mean, you could. I mean, I definitely you could do something where you make like, or you just do the same speech, but it's like the boring version with no jokes to the the political <laughs> people, and you walk down to the local club and yeah. just add in some zingers at yeah, the end exactly. of lines on the other stuff. Yeah, and anyway, so I, I do, I do. Yes, to answer your question, I I do sometimes feel very scared about it all because it, just because it's unfolding so quickly, right. and just because I've lost control of you know how it is um i i I, there's like one thing that's happened that really i i I guess prior to this my politics were pretty left-leaning kind of things right and i think i was pretty open about that with the work i've done before and, and stuff and i am and what i didn't account for and this is the thing that scares me is that the people there is a large portion of the people who I'm who my kind of burn it all down campaign is um, appealing to, who are the kinds of people who would have hated me before, right? And this is this is something I'm really struggling with right now, because um, like previously with some like anti-racism stuff I've done and just being like a person who is not white in the media, I've had some pretty crook shit that's happened to me from or that's been said about me in uh, by white supremacists and you know neo-Nazis and that kind of thing, and that. Uh, and then, <sighs> well, it's, before we so let's yeah. Like I don't I don't want to dig into the point of this podcast is oh, no, never it's... to dig anything into anything that we don't need to. But you say that, and then the look on your face. You don't have to even tell me specific examples because oh, no, I don't, don't want to bring up you know, no, no, anything no, that. To. But can you give us a little insight into what yeah. li- living that life is so like? So I just I just to give it yeah. some context. I used to work on a. A uh, television show about video games called Good Game. It ran on the ABC for many years, and I worked there for maybe I think three years or something. And I don't know if you know this uh, about the um, uh, gamers, Will, but they can be real nasty sometimes. Wow! Well, well. <laughs> uh, and like you know, I think it's just about ethics in video games. I believe. <laughs> yeah, it, finally, someone's really to say. Yeah. Um, and you know, the, 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 there's like a culture of um, in, in a certain portion of the video gamer kind of. Uh, subset of the world there is a there is a small culture of uh white supremacy and um you know neo-nazis and that kind of stuff yeah uh and so when i started working a good game i used to get like horrific kinds of trolls like people like leaving comments on youtube like i'd do a little youtube video about minecraft and people would like write under it like you know kill yourself you fucking gook and like um 
you know, my grandfather died to keep fuckers like you out of this country. It's like stuff like that, right? Um, I've I've joked about this on stage, um, but the the <laughs> the most wild one was a guy who wrote, um, I want, um, uh, I, I I wish I'd invented a time machine. Um, so Michael Hing could get it. So Hingers was my name on the show. So Hingers could get in it and go back to World War II and check himself into Auschwitz and gas himself. Right now, that's a pretty full-on thing to read under a like. I think it was. I think it literally was a Minecraft video, and someone's written that. Right. I mean, um, also just a real waste of time travel technology. Yeah, this is, this I mean, if you've invented a time machine, that's what I, is that what you're going to do with it? That's my exact thought. I was like, I've invented of a time all machine. the things. I go visit the pyramids. I go dinosaurs. I go yeah, do whatever I want. You ever seen like, Back to the Future? Yeah. Go into the future. Get some almanac of some kind. <laughs> no, no. I could go become my own grand grandfather or whatever yeah. it is. I could do that. You know, whatever like Futurama, it is. You know? No, no, no. Yeah. My number one thing is this guy's Minecraft video yeah. has offended me so much <laughs> that the day I invent time travel. <laughs> And like it was the it was the wording that really got to me. It was um, it was it was go back to Auschwitz and check himself in. Mm. Like I would turn up and be like, oh hello, <laughs> like it's a hotel. Yes. Like uh, Hing, have you got yes. a booking for Hing? Party for one. Hing, <laughs> like it just uh, and and like stuff like so. So, so that's the kind yeah, of yeah. I right? mean, and look, we I so you laugh about it, and so sure. I laugh about it. Absolutely. But, but however, I understand that even my you know laughter about it. Like comes from a place where, it, despite the darkness that I've ever had to experience on the internet, you know, and it turns out not everyone is a hundred percent fan of my work. Find that hard um, to feel, I, no, I mean, I'm amazed also, Hingers, but um, it turns out not so much. Uh, I, that stuff's hurtful enough, and I have yeah. a pretty tough skin too. Like I'm not too bad with that sort of stuff, but this is not that. This is hate on its. Like yeah. most open, horrible level. Like, yeah, you know, I mean it anyway. It's just. Well, the, 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 I don't know. I, f- I feel like this is a, uh, we can talk about this. I, I then, um, because I was getting a lot of these things, I like printed a lot of them out. Because mm. I don't know. This is, I, I, I know you've talked about mental health and stuff on the podcast before, but in, in what, in retrospect, is a clear cry for help. Mm. But at the time, was me as a kind of trying to be funny and trying to like take control of the situation. I like, I like screenshotted all these comments and stuff and made a call, like printed them out and stuck them up around my desk at work. Like thinking like, thinking to myself like, oh, these people want me to kill myself. Not only am I not going to do that, I'm going to, I'm going to stick them up at work. So everyone knows I'm not, you know, because I'm fine. Because I'm fine. I mean, by the way, I'm thinking about calling my autobiography in retrospect. It was a clear cry for help. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it describes so much of my life. Yeah. Oh, well, looking back, that was a clear cry for help. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. I can see yeah. that. You're like, I oh, know I'm going to embrace this. I'm going to harden my skin to it by yeah. surrounding myself yeah. with the worst hate in my life. And, and then, but the, you know. The opposite of pushing the mute button. Yeah, exactly. yeah. But you've. I mean, you've worked in you've you've worked in in jobs before. You know that like not everyone in a creative job is a creative or c- comedic person. You no, know, and so not. there's like sometimes people who just walk past your desk who are like yeah. an accountant or like a marketing person or something, and they walk past your desk and you're like, "Hey, what's yeah. going on with him? Is, is he this, right? Is this?" <laughs> and so at one point, one of my bosses came up to me and was like, um, "Michael, like, mate, you can't have suicide notes on your desk. All right, take them down." <laughs> and I'm like, "All right, fine." 
And look, in retrospect, clearly a cry for help. But at the time, I was, th- I was like, no, I'm, I'm doing it because I'm fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, clearly fun. a breach of workplace <laughs> HR issue. I imagine there's like some rules against putting that shit up as well. And there would have been a meeting at management going, look, we don't know what to do about this. He has got a lot of hate speech around his cubicle. It's disturbing everybody else. But it's hate speech technically uh, directed him? at him. So, so we don't, it's a real conundrum we found ourselves in. Um, anyway, so... The, the reason I bring that up yeah. is because I like it's it's even though you try to ignore the trolls when someone says something about you you remember the usernames and you remember sometimes it just sticks in your brain or absolutely you, or like on a YouTube comment sometimes like you click on their stupidly you like click on their profile and you see that they're like some some teenager in like yeah. in Perth or something who what whatever the thing is right and then for some like it's like five or six years later and I see those same people who were telling me to kill myself retweeting my stuff being like this guy's really funny and I'm like. What the fuck is happening? You know, and it's like I I I see that. Like I and, and that's what I was saying is one of the things I'm really struggling with right now is running this is is running this this joke of a campaign. It's like, right? Am I now a, like maybe these people have matured and they've stopped with that race stuff, or maybe they've gone through? Some, I know you don't know what's going on in their life, but you're also just thinking like, oh well, like literally a couple of years ago you were saying horrible things about me, and now you're. Now you're tr- now you're offering to like wear a t-shirt for me and campaign in your local town, and I'm like, I don't I don't know I honestly don't know what to make of that. Like I you know, I'd like to think it's a positive thing. Yeah, I would like to think that hopefully some of that anger that they were feeling for whatever reasons mm. has become a different type of anger. You yeah. know, like you know they were angry and they didn't know why, and they were <laughs> funneling it into you know. You know, really horrible racial stuff or really horrible sexual stuff or, you know, the things that, you know, people can do in those situations that we see and that perhaps that there is a way out. Perhaps it isn't what happened in New Zealand is the logical extension of that. Perhaps, you know, campaigning for you and (laughs) and loving that you're saying fuck the system, you know, is maybe that's something that is a positive journey, you know. I think so. I hope so. Like, I mean, at least if you want to find a positive in it. Yeah. That's the um, positive I would try to find. I used to be angry at people who would be like, I used to hate you, you know, you and now I like you. And I'd be like, Why did well, you need to say that first bit? You didn't bit? need to say the first bit. <laughs> exactly. But and I was like <laughs> I was like, just but also all right, well I got you though, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> I got you in the end. It's like when you you could have been enjoying this for twenty years. You just got on board now. You're the sucker. Yeah. I've been doing basically <laughs> yeah. the same thing. I mean, I've yeah. been me the whole time. I don't know. <laughs> You've changed. <laughs> When, it's like when people uh, come and see your show at the comedy festival and they go, oh, man, this year was so good. Because, I mean, last year, I'm going to be honest, I didn't enjoy it at all. But this year was so good. I always um, I, I always do love the reaction of people from year to year in that regard. It's yeah. like, it's it, I, I, I will read so much into what someone, and often, like, essentially, I read into what they say, what I actually think myself oh like, like like your value as a as yeah, a comedian as a going, oh you know you like someone said the other night they're like oh you seem like you were having a great time tonight and i was like that's not really saying anything about the show <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah but which jokes did you like, like yeah which did you see the callbacks did the audience seem like they were having a good time did you have a good time <laughs> like just saying that i seemed like i was having fun yeah, is not was actually it's good. We'll, we'll let him out. He'll have a run around. He'll enjoy I guess himself. At least he's enjoying himself. <laughs> Look at him. He'll tire himself out. He'll sleep well tonight. 
yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's that's politics. We're up to yeah. date basically at this yeah. stage, aren't we? Yeah. So let's um uh while while we've got you here, talk about uh you know just more generally you, not just this one thing. Yeah. Um. So tell me, uh, do you have a philosophy? Um, I I I I kind of struggle. I struggle with this because. Like with anything, it's like a it's like a declarative statement about like, you know, this. And I, I think like people have said in the podcast before, it's like I don't know if I'm going to believe this thing in, you know, five years, right? Imagine like, that you yeah, a yeah. lot of the time that you won't, yeah. and that's that's kind of the but the point. What, what what I kind of have been thinking for the last couple of years is a couple. There's a couple of things. It's like, it's like I, I kind of feel that life is basically meaningless, and I don't mean that in a um depressing way it's actually kind of empowering because the more i thought about it it's like it's like life is kind of meaningless which means you actually get to choose what you give meaning to in your life right like everything's kind of meaningless so you can pick the six things that you want you know and maybe sometimes that's a person or a political thing or trying to make the world a better place and sometimes it's like playing video games and being with your friends and whatever and it's just those things that you pick to give your life meaning that actually matter well know? i think that our society operates on an entire system of the the conceit that we have decided to give things meaning yeah. there are some things that are necessary absolutely growing food and uh you Oxygen know and doctors and, and these yeah. sort of things like you know that actually have some sort of like need actual need in our society but a lot of time all the other stuff is just like we've decided it's important. Like the reason that like, you know, billions of people are going to go and see a movie about the Avengers in like a week's time from now is because we decided those stories were important. Absolutely. And we decided that movies are important and we decided it going, like none of it is actually important. No. It's not necessary to the yeah. evolution of us as a human species. We decided it was important. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's totally, f- and it's totally fine for you to decide that the thing you love is comic books or movies. Like, you know, I, I, like that, that because I, I I love those things and I choose to love those things, you know. Um, and uh, so that was where I kind of that's where I've been for the last couple of years. It's just like it's like coming from a very futile place to I think quite an empowered or like a kind of a positive place. But d- d- being able to think to myself like, oh, what things do I care about? What do I want to do? I'm actually I can actually choose to love whatever I want. I can choose to, you know, um, to 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 prioritize whatever I want. Uh, and then and then I was thinking more about like the idea of a philosophy and like how like like w- really from a philosophy what you want is like actionable like you want something actionable you know you want something that you want to be like well how do, how does that actually how does that actually make me live my life for, for okay me? yeah good you know? I like that like ha- ha- you know and I, I and I was thinking about like what what's a thing that I think about a lot like what's a thing you know and there's this I don't. I'm not really into poetry, but there was this. There was a, this poem. A boy stood on a burning bridge. His pocket full of no. Okay. No. no. I, I love a sunburned country. What an absolute political shithead thing that would be to do that. It's just to recite Dorothy McKellar. Like, no. He uh, just says, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not a real politician. Starts going into old school Australian politicians. He's actually uh, sitting here wearing a giant hat. I didn't mention that at the start. And not one of those Chinese ones. No, one of those Australian ones. Real, real Cooper styles. Um, no, that's so dumb. Uh, no, uh, there, there was this, there's this football podcast I listened to, like yes. a soccer podcast. Uh-huh. And it's, it's done by these two middle-aged men and it's ostensibly about football but in reality it's a cry for help um in retrospect it's a cry for help 
Because they're going through. That's going to be my real take out of this. In retrospect, it was a cry for help. Do you reckon in five years you're going to look back at your Senate run? It's going to be like, oh, oh man. In retrospect. He just wanted to be seen and heard. That's all it was. It was. But it's easy. What's your policy? This is just a cry for help. My policy is, please, I need this. Please, please. Um, so there's, there's, there's this podcast I listen to called Men in Blazers and it's these right. two old dudes talking about football but actually going through, like kind of humorously going through a midlife crisis, right? right? And uh, so, so they'll, they'll often describe um, football matches in like really poetic terms. They'll, they'll say things like, um, oh, did you like, it'll be like, did you see Chelsea versus Man U on the weekend? And then one of them will be like, oh, it was truly a dagger through my heart. Like something like that, right? And it's like, wow, you, you okay? And then one time, I'll never forget this, like, I'm, I don't know much about poetry, but one time, one of the I'll try to sum up, I think it was like a Tottenham game, <laughs> just quoted a Philip Larkham, a Larkham poem uh, called The Mower, um, which is about uh, a guy who's mowing the lawn and, he, and a hedgehog gets caught in the lawnmower and it dies. And, it's, and the poem's about him finding this hedgehog right. and dealing with the death of it. The, the, and so to give this context, I'm, I'm in my car driving, thinking I'm listening to a recap of a Tottenham game. And this guy starts reading this fucked up poem about a hedgehog getting mangled by a lawnmower. And the final lines for it, I think about, it's stuck in my head and it's been like a couple of years. And I think about this, like, I reckon on an almost daily basis. And it, it, the final lines of the poem are, uh, I'm gonna fuck this up, but it's like um, it's like we should be we should we should care for each other. We should be kind while there's still time, and that like thinking about the image of a man holding a, a hedgehog in his hands that's dying, and he thinks like like you know we should be kind while there's still time. That is that is the thing that really I think about all the time now. It's like we have a limited time here. We have uh, I mean not just us. Personally, but also as like a species, you know, we have a limited time. We have so little time with our family, with our friends, with our colleagues that like, you know, why would you do anything else but try and take care of each other and try and be kind? And that, that, and, and that was where I landed um, think, like recently trying to think about like my philosophy because that is actionable. You know, it's like, how does that actually inform my life? How does that, how does that um, affect how I move through the world? It's like, well, can I be kind to people? You know, can I take care of people? Because... And the motivator for that is because there's so little time for us to, you know, for us to be together. Um, anyway, so that's where I was with the philosophy. I, the, the idea of kindness has comes up so regularly on this podcast. It's such an undervalued thing in our society. I think kindness. Mm. I think it's one of the things that we're all capable of, and that gets so easily thrown aside. Absolutely. Um, particularly, you know, through busyness. Mm. I often find that busyness can be the enemy of kindness because kindness involves you taking a moment to think of somebody else and often when you're in your own world or rushing from one thing to another or you have your headphones on or whatever else it is that you don't take that moment you don't have that moment to sort of think about somebody else I was I was walking down the street the other night on the way to my show and uh, I was just a bit early like it takes a very a uh, random amount of minutes to get from where I live to where my show is sure. dependent on the night and yeah. you cannot predict it. Mm. So it can be anywhere between sort of like, honestly, sometimes I've done it in 18 minutes up till almost like 45 minutes. Right, so okay. I allow on the sort of 20 minute side and occasionally it means I just get into my show way too early. So yeah. I'd just gone for a walk around the block to stretch my legs, but I was just filling in time really. And 
there was a homeless, well, it turned out he wasn't a homeless guy, but there was a guy on the sitting on the side of the road and he looked like he'd been a little, um, he'd been in the wars a bit. You know, he was a, he would have been only, how old are you? I'm 33. Yeah, so I reckon he was about your age. Yeah. And he, he, um, he just looked sad and he looked a bit beaten up. And um, I just stopped because I was like, I was just going to give him some change or whatever, like, you know. But then I realised it was something a bit different to what I, I thought it was. And I was just like, just stop for a minute. I feel like this... This guy just needs someone to talk to for a bit. And anyway, this is not a story about like, you know, me being great. This is a story about that on the other days, I wouldn't have had the time. Like, yeah. you know, I, this day I just had the time. You had, the, you had a moment. Yeah. I had a moment where I could go, well, you know what? What am I going to do? Go and yeah. sit backstage for five minutes by myself or whatever yeah. on my phone. Or it's- I can just like... Have five minutes and have a chat to this yeah, guy. If I'm not it, talking to this guy, I'm I'm, tw- I'm tweeting something stupid about you know weed and butt right. or whatever. Yeah. And so he, anyway, I won't I won't, I won't share his story because it's not mine to share. But um, it it was one of those things where he was pretty down on himself about something that had happened in the last 24 hours, and I did genuinely feel like just by stopping and having a chat to him that yeah you know, he he left that a little bit more positive than he got into it. And it just occurred to me that just that's just a big example that sticks in my mind, but of how just that time, just having that time in your day, take one thing out so that you can mm. make sure that you're, and I, and I think- you're nice to the person who's getting you a cup of coffee or you, you have that moment to... Like, yeah. you know, have a chat to the Uber driver or whatever. Absolutely. And, and we... we- <sighs> We all struggle with that, uh, you know. I, I've certainly, I've certainly in my past said and done things I'm not proud of, and and been mean to people, or you know. For, oh for, for, well, you then know. I, we, I, mean, I did all, not we, know that you're. A, no, you can't be on this podcast. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, <laughs> we've never had people on who have done bad things in their past. Um, and you know, it, it's it's it, and I think it's I think busyness is a is a is a real factor in that. But I think another thing is just like having. Um, the mindset of trying to think about how you make other people feel. Yes, you know, like when you when you're just talking about um, getting a cup of coffee or something. You said like uh, something I've been thinking about a lot lately is like is like I see my the the the, the guy who works at the coffee shop around the corner from my place. I see him probably like I don't know twice three times a week, and you know uh, it's it, it's like what what can I like we know each other, but we don't never talk. We did we didn't really talk for a while. We just like hello and we knew each other's names and stuff. And I was like, like, what can I do to like make that interaction better for him? Right? Because for me, I'm it's just a transaction. I'm getting something. But like, is there anything like you know little things like smiling and saying thank you? Obviously, right? But then it's like, hey, like uh, not just asking how his day is, but like complimenting. You know, saying like, hey, this is really good. Thank you for this coffee. Or like, well, just like little things like that. I'm trying to do more in my life because it costs me nothing. It's like, it's a zero, it's a zero cost thing. And it's like, well, how can I just try and make this person's day a little better? How can I be kind to them? And I'm not going to be perfect. I'm not always going to fuck it up. I'm not going to always have time to think about it, but it's just like something, uh, a, a way to go through the world from a starting point, you know? Yeah. I love it. I, I think it's great. Uh, one of my dear friends uh, posted a picture of his son at his fourth birthday the other day and he wrote a little description of what he you know loved about his son and one of the things he mentioned was that he offered compliments free like every day because they were free and like (laughs) you know and I was just I was captured by that because I was absolutely right that idea that you're saying like I love the way that you encapsulated it with like not just getting the coffee and saying thank you but literally 
complimenting the coffee if it's a good coffee or talking yeah. to somebody about if somebody's made your experience pleasant, let them know that they have Because it encourages your... them. It right. encourages them to do that as well. And actually, this is um, a thing. I, I mean, I, I remember being, speaking of kindness, I remember being really touched by something that you did to me like many years ago. It was two things that really stood out to me. It was one time I was like, it was like 2012 or 2013. And we didn't know each other. I think we'd met a couple of times. We we, don't, we were friendly, but, we, you know, we, I don't, I wouldn't have felt comfortable like texting you or anything. And it was in Edinburgh. And I was like wandering the streets. I, I didn't know anyone. It was during the festival. And I, you know, and you, and you like waved at me. You were like with like, I don't know. I, I imagine you were with like, my memories, you were with like famous comedians. So it was probably like David O'Doherty and people who I really, yeah, like, you know, I'm like, wow, this is a fucking... And you waved at me and were like, hello. And you said hello to me and you, and you like introduced me to these people. It was like, I think it was like a Doherty and um, maybe Sarah Pascoe. Like it was a bunch of people. And I remember being like, wow, he didn't have to do that. Like he didn't have to like take his time, take time out of his day to say hello to me like that. And I was, I remember thinking like, wow, that was a really nice thing that Will did. And then like, it was like a couple months later, it was my birthday. <laughs> it was like such a, it's such a stupid thing, but it's like on Facebook, you just like wrote on my wall. You're like, happy birthday, Michael, or happy birthday or something like that. And I was like, why is Will Anderson doing this? Like, I, a- I mean, I've stopped doing that. So I'm sorry to I'm sorry to anyone who <laughs> who doesn't get a Facebook message from me now on their birthday. I, I was like, this is I've like- stopped using. Well, I'm trying to stop using Facebook sure, in, in yeah. general. So I I, yeah. I understand that they trap us in in these. <laughs> But these was- systems, but I appreciate that back in the day when I used to be attentive of the Facebook birthdays. <laughs> but I, I, I remember thinking, like, wow, like, and, and it was like, I, uh, it doesn't, it doesn't, um, it, it takes probably took him two seconds to, to do this, and he probably doesn't even remember he did it. But like, as a person who just started in comedy and whatever, I was like, ah. Oh. This is fucking rules. Will Anderson knows who I am, and he wished me a happy birthday. Like, yeah. Anyway, my uh, I've been trying to take that approach to social media a bit. Like, you know, in that, like Twitter in particular can be quite oh, a horrible and poisonous place. So, what I try to do in a general sense is like use it as an opportunity because it's also capable of really great stuff. You know, mm. there's so many great young writers and you know intellects and you know, you know talents that I've been introduced to through their work on there and you know and understanding what people do so I just try to use it as a positive way to elevate those voices and because you can choose you can choose to be involved in the negativity of it and get mm. involved in the trolling and the yeah. you know the the rampant you know uh, confirmation bias bubbles and all those sort of things or you can just use it to kind of yeah, make it a bit more of a positive place and, you know, do the small amount that you can do, you know? Yeah. Fucking flick a retweet of somebody's comedy festival <laughs> show or something. I mean, it doesn't take, like you said, yeah. doesn't take a lot of time out of my day to, yeah. you know, be a bit more positive. Yeah. But you have to consciously make the decision to <laughs> yeah. do it. Because the way that it's set up isn't for that. No. The online world is set up to... For arguments and yeah, for... Yeah, because that gives you more engagement and yeah. that means that these companies that need our attention all the time have our attention. We're much oh. more, you know, we're much more likely to pay attention if there's some kids in the corner of the play- playground going fight, fight, fight. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people run towards a fight, they don't run towards a cuddle, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it looks like they're having a good time. I'll go, I'll go, watch, uh, I'll go watch these people shake hands. That'll be cool. Like, um, no. You talked about the idea of uh, kindness... Tell me about. I don't. I'm not entirely across your your story. Give us a quick version of the the Michael Hing story, as in where, where I grew up and yeah. stuff. Yeah, okay. tell me. Tell me about like you know what it was like. You know, getting to where you are now. Um. Well, uh, I grew up in a town called Illawong, which is on the south side of Sydney, like kind of halfway between. I would guess like half. Way between like Sydney and Wollongong, uh-huh. uh, and now it's just now that Sydney's so big, it's just been it's sort just of, Sydney. It's just part of Sydney yeah. now. But when I grew up, it was like a little bit farmy, 
a little bit, um, yeah. And my parents are both, uh, uh, they're both doctors. So my dad's an eye surgeon, mum's a, a GP. And my family's been in Australia since like, yeah. I don't know, like 18. Well, of course they're not going to vote for you. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, look, come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're, they're educated people. They understand how this is going to go. Uh, and, and, I mean, they've, they've, they've sussed it out. Yeah, he's our son, but we're... <laughs> Medical professionals, and we need to be trusted in the community. We are doctors with borders. <laughs> Internal family borders. Very strong boundaries. Build a wall is what they said. They're going to build a wall. And we know Michael won't be able to pay for it. So, that's fine. Um, so, uh, so I, I, yeah, I, I grew up in this town called Illawong, and I was like one of... I was one of very few, uh, like, Asian kids, like, you know, in... in uh, so I grew up, like... Uh, you know, had 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 like a lot of white friends and stuff, but also the defining characteristic of that friendship was like being a Chinese kid yeah. in in that you know. Um, and I talk, I, I've joked about this before that like I was teased a lot as a kid uh, for being Chinese and stuff. But um, I, I guess in retrospect, I'm almost grateful for it because like kids get like kids get teased for everything, and I got teased for being Chinese. But yeah. there was there was another kid who got teased because everyone said he sucked off a dog. Yeah. So, you know, like, you know, they'll find something. Yeah, exactly. It's fine. You know? No, I always think that's the, like, if you're ever doing a roast battle or whatever, yeah. you know, in comedy, it's actually good to have one good defining feature that they'll go for <laughs> yeah. because then they won't go, then you <laughs> actually, they don't get to the shit that you're like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You're like, well, I know I'm Chinese, but if they were making fun of me for smelling weird or being a shit bloke or sucking off a dog, that'd be actually heaps worse. That'd be so true. Yeah. If I ever do a roast battle, I remember like, oh, he can't drive and he's yeah. good at maths and whatever else. Yeah. As opposed Great. to like, in, 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 in 2004, he actually yeah. like... He said, a, he said a really mean thing to an old woman for yeah. no reason because yeah. he drunk too much. Yeah. Like, just, like, whatever. Like, he, he, he wants, yeah, he yeah. wants just, he wants just robbed me. I don't know why. Like, right. yeah. <laughs> um, totally. Uh, so, yeah, so I, I grew up there, went to school there, uh, went to school in the, in the place called the Southern Shire, which is, I guess, politically famous for the Cromwell riots and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and for being, I think, I mean, at some stage at least, it was the essentially the whitest electorate what, in yeah. Australia. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. Um, and then uh, I got into comedy through uh, being at uni and just doing like, like I guess, reviews and stuff and theatre sports and that what kind of thing. What were you studying at university? Oh, so many things. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I do not have a degree. Uh, I studied like... I wanted to be a school counselor for a while. I wanted to do philosophy. I wanted to do like I studied all these things and then just dropped out. I tried architecture for a bit. I um, oh goodness, like yeah, just like a bunch of different yeah, things. You over were trying about, things. Yeah, over about like eight or nine. Like I think I was at uni for like eight years and got nothing out of it. So you know, I'm I mean, a, you should just say I was at uni for eight years. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, you're a, you have a PhD. I understand. Yeah. People's people's racism will put the rest together. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him. He's got glasses. He's probably got a He's Asian. He's Eight he's, years. He's, he's probably a lawyer and a doctor. <laughs> As opposed to, no, you're a, you're a four-time dropout, Michael. Right. That's interesting. Okay, you can build me a half a house and give me half a philosophy. I get it. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I, yeah, and I eventually got into comedy through, yeah, and it was hard. It was at the time in Sydney, there weren't a lot of open mics and stuff. Uh, and I would kind of like, Email someone and they'd be like, oh, you can get on in six weeks or something. Yeah. And I was like, well, I really want to do comedy. And I, I you know, uh, so I just started my own room and we started running um, like little uni gigs and stuff in the bar. And, and, and then we did that for about three or four years, maybe. Um, and did little sketch shows and all that kind of stuff for, for, for years and years and years. And then I started properly like 
trying to do stand up. Like I did Raw in like I think twenty ten or twenty eleven something or two thousand ten I think was when I did Raw, um, and then just sort of bounced around doing comedy festival shows and then uh, Good Game and uh, a couple like Triple J stuff and then um, but yeah that, that was that was really cool being able to work at Triple J and being able to do like yeah I mean it's the best place in the world to work it's 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 filled with cool people, um, and then I guess the last three or f- three years or so I've been uh, doing a tiny bit of acting stuff. And then the big thing that I've found where I've landed and where I feel really comfortable is a, a TV show on SBS called the feed, which is a kind of a news and current affairs show, but there's like comedy elements to it that I get to write with uh, Cameron James and Vic Serpson, Jenna Owen uh, from Fortnite and Nip and Alex Lee and a few other people. Yeah. So that's kind of yeah. where I've landed. Now that stuff I just think is terrible. It's the worst. The worst. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm actually going to cut out all <laughs> reference to it. No, the feed, I mean, is, is one of those things that it, it developed into what it is, you know, like it, it wasn't always what it has become and, but what it has become has become so vital and so interesting and entertaining. I mean, the work that Jan Fran's doing oh. on her videos, are they, they yeah. are unmissable. Like, She's the best. She's a so genius. smart and so funny and so succinct in what she can say and so good at making a clear point. Her her clarity of thought is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Her presenta- presentation style is you know, very compelling and watchable, but her intellect and sense of like, yeah, comedically expressing an intellectual idea. I mean, I am, I just watch them and get blown away. But I think the same is the feed is aspiring to that standard of stuff in these videos. And they are the proper kind of shareable content to me. Like, you know, something that I can watch. That's the sort of shareable content that I get involved in, where oh. I can like watch something for three and a half minutes, yeah. like enjoy myself, but also get a like perspective. An and idea for me, or a fact or something. Well, yeah. but also for me, a perspective on what. Like this is the sad thing, Michael. I'm a middle aged man now, and like sometimes what are like the kids caring about. Sometimes now? I like to touch in with what the kids are on about, and I I have a lot of hope for the kids watching the feed on SBS. I do, Michael. <laughs> well, there are literally dozens of people who in, who also watch our show. Well, so. And if you can get all those dozens to vote for you, you can be a senator, <laughs> exactly. Michael. Um, there are some standard questions that I like to ask on this podcast. Um, uh, the first one we've covered a little bit, but uh, uh, it kind of, well, it starts here. This is the, we dive in the deep end and we just go with this. What do you reckon happens when you die? I, I honestly, I don't know. Um, I, I grew up in the church. I grew up in the Presbyterian church, um, you know, which is like a, a very sterile kind of version of Christianity. So like, you know, you're like, you know, the Hillsong has this like electric guitars and yeah. like, you know, it's all like quote unquote cool and yeah. people ride motorbikes and shit. There's none of Presbyterian church is like, it's like all, it's all old people. <laughs> they're all, they're, it's mostly, it's mostly tea and biscuits is most of the religion. Yeah. Uh, so I grew up in, in the Presbyterian church and it's, it's like Scottish ish. So it's like very um, social justice kind of oriented. So like as a kid, I would do a lot of, um, I started as a kid. I was like a 14, 15 year old. We did a lot of soup kitchens and stuff. I remember like going out in Surrey Hills in Sydney in like, like 999, 2000 with my like Sunday school teacher at night and like, like talking, like uh, doing shelter work for like sex workers and um, homeless people and stuff. And at the time being like, oh, this is cool. But like, 
it's so not cool. No, like, like I was a child. Yeah, um, it feels like the the good good old naive Presbyterians yeah. are like, no, this will be fine. Let's yeah, exactly. let a child out yeah. into King's Cross. Everything will be, yeah. should work out fine. <laughs> yeah, but um, that is that. The, the, I mean, I I went to the Anglican Church when I was growing up, and they very much have the. Same, yeah, well, a similar, not yeah. the same, but yeah. a similar sort of perspective to religion, which is it's about helping people and looking after people in the community and yeah. all these things that, you know. Yeah. So I can understand that then sometimes when you run into the people who are raised under the sort of, you know, tyranny of a, like, particularly prescriptive religion, or there's a Planet Shakers down the road from here. Do you know what a Planet Shakers no, what's is? Planet Shakers? Well, it must be some sort of Hillsongy type, right, okay. like, you know, groovy church. Yeah. yeah because, yeah. oh, man. On a Sunday, when people pile out of there, you're like, "Am I like at Splendor in the Grass? Who are all these groovy young people, <laughs> low cut T-shirts." Yeah, and, and, and then like... you realise they've just come out of Planet Shakers. Yeah, I don't know what right. it is, but it's a again, yeah. I it's some modern groovy religion. Yeah, well, and and so just to get back to your question, mm. I I don't know how to reconcile being raised in that faith with the things I don't agree right. with. You know, and I I think I think a lot of sort of religious people were like, I don't even know if I'm religious, but like. You know, uh, how, how do you how do you reconcile that with the fact that the church has like awful teachings on you know so many like not and, and not just not just things like um you know women's issues and uh you know homophobia and transphobia like, not just that stuff but like there are so many things about that you know that I'm trying that I try to break away from and hopefully have done work to break away from those things that I've been indoctrinated with but the reality is that, like that stuff's always not that stuff but the other stuff is going to be in the, in your brain. Like the stuff about, like I still pray, and I don't know what that is. Like you know, and and so and so, like when you ask me, well, what okay, that's interesting to me. When you say you pray, how I, often would you pray? Like, like a lot. Yeah, like, right. Like, like if I'm, it's a calming thing for me. Yeah. But I don't even, I don't even know, <laughs> like, and I don't know if that's like the habit I've gotten into. I, like, you know, I don't know if that's the faith I have. I don't, I don't. It's so confusing to me. Like, I do it, I do it. To ask for guidance, I do it to, um, like if if I'm nervous or something, and, and yeah, so there's that internal thing that maybe maybe even just talking to myself in those moments is like good and calming. So I, I totally am open to the idea. Like I, yeah, and so it, I, I yeah. Find, well, you pray because you find it helpful for you for whatever yeah for whatever reason that <laughs> yeah. it's helpful. It's helpful. Yeah, and and then and, and but trying to like, do I think there's a god? I don't. No, like I don't, I've seen, there are things that have happened in my life, like um, people changing or things that have happened where I think to myself like, oh, is that divine or is that just coincidence? Because, I mean, coincidence just happened, you know, like that's just, you know, so, uh, you know, and when you've been raised that hardcore in the church, like we would go to church every week, I was in youth group, I'd, 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 like all at Sunday school, like all of Bible study, prayer groups, you do that for twenty odd years of your life. It's gonna, it's gonna stick around, you know. And so, yeah, it's like, it's, it's like, it's like weird trying to. And then, like, how do you reconcile that with the rest of your life? Like, my girlfriend's family are Muslim. You know, we've been dating for five, five or six years, and I'm like, well, I don't know what that's gonna mean. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, what, 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 like, if I have kids, what do you want to do with them? I, I don't right. know. <laughs> like, how's that gonna work? I don't no. fucking know. Um, and so, yeah, when we die, I don't, I don't. No, I just I I don't know. Do you think about it? It it is a constant thought because another fucked up thing about the church is they teach you like I remember growing up and I was being like 6 or 7. I remember one of my Sunday school teachers said to me, "Michael, 
the only thing you deserve is death. And that was, and I, and I remember being like, okay. Had, like, she, had she seen one of your Minecraft videos? <laughs> She's like, look, I'm, so, I'm very angry about this. Um, here's a Pepe meme. Um, so, you know, like, that, that, that's just in my brain as well. It's like, it doesn't matter how much good you do in the world. Yeah. The thing you're taught as a Christian kid growing up, well, certainly that I was taught as a Christian kid growing up, it's like the only thing you deserve is death. Like, that's it. And it doesn't right. matter how much good you do in the world. You're all, that's all you deserve. It's all you deserve is to die. That's, that's it. And so that's a thing that's in my brain all the time. Um, and in terms of death, bring it back to that thing we are talking about before, I, I'm worried that this is all there is. And that's why I think there's limited time. I'm worried that, that we don't have a lot of time. And that's why that actually inspires me. If, if, if this is all it is, it's like I need to do more to try and make the world a better place. Well, you know, not in a huge way, but just, you know, I, I, that inspires me. It motivates me, I should say. No, I, I agree with that. Like, I think that's a really, you know, lovely sentiment. I, uh, Justin Hamilton, mm-hmm. our, our friend is down in the living room watching basketball. And after we're done talking here today, we'll I'm, still be watching basketball. <laughs> I'm going to go and uh, spend the, the, the remaining couple of hours before my show tonight laying on that couch watching basketball. And earlier, I had a little bit of a moment where I was like, I was feeling guilty about that. I was like, I should go, you know, I should do something. I should, you know, it's like, I should do something. My best friend's down there, you know, (laughs) and I don't get to see him all the time. We live in different cities and he's right there available to me. And he's watching basketball (laughs) this afternoon and we can just hang out on the couch and watch some basketball and relax and have fun. Yeah. That is important too. And sometimes you forget you're going this is this is how we make both of our lives a little better today i get to hang out with my friend and we get to you know that it doesn't have to be i'm going to stop climate change for savo probably probably not going to nail that the savo anyway might as well (laughs) no no we got a couple hours (laughs) (laughs) um all right so what do you hope that people would uh think about you remember about you when you when you're when you die if if there was one thing that you could think that people would say of you what would you hope that would be i uh i i I kind of just i I kind of i think i just hope to be like i I don't care i just i just want to be forgotten maybe like i don't i think now about how i've (laughs) i feel like anything that happened before like it feels it feels today anything that happened before like 2010 was deeply racist and sex like you know what i mean that's how i that's how i in my fucked up mind look back at everything that you know yeah. and it's like and i know it's a different context and i know it's a different society and i know and, and then i still find myself judging things that happen like i was watching breakfast at tiffany's the other day and yeah. it's a deeply fucked film in terms of like mickey um mickey rourke mickey rooney i've fucked i well why mickey, mickey rooney i just got some white people confused that's not good um doing like a doing yellow face right yeah. and I'm, I'm, I was thinking of getting really angry about it and I was thinking like, oh, actually, like, it, I mean, they, I don't think they meant necessarily, I don't know. And then I'm trying to apologize for it and whatever. And then when you just asked me that then, I'm thinking like, well, that's what I thought about. And I was like, I don't want anyone to remember me <laughs> because in 50 years time, when, or in a hundred, whenever I'm dead and people looking back and they'll be like, he drove a car? What a fuck? He, yeah. he, like the planet was, and he drove, he drove. He drove several times a week. Yeah. This mind's a monster. You yeah, know? he would fly all over the world yeah, yeah. just because he thought his jokes were good enough <laughs> exactly. that people needed to hear them. He fl- he f- yeah, exactly. He flew to New York to tell people about his cock. What yeah. the fuck is <laughs> yeah, this? Exactly. This guy was a monster. One of history's <laughs> greatest monsters. 
and I, you know, I, and he, he had an iPhone. It was yeah. built by, it was built by people in, with horrible, with horrible lives. Yeah. And he had, he had, he had multiple. He He's, had like six different iPhones oh, across yeah. his life. He know? couldn't stop up that dating them. <laughs> exactly. Like I need whatever technology this new one has. <laughs> and it does, you know, and not, none of it. And yeah, I just, I, I, I am so wary of, of, of that. I'm just like I just want to be forgotten. Okay, just- <laughs> uh, what is uh, do you think uh, uh, do do you think that anyone has a misconception about you? If someone would were to have a misconception about you, what do you think it would be? I I, I think people think I'm uh, this is a this is gonna it's probably sounds like a humble brag and I fucking hate it, but uh, I think right. people this is a safe space. Yeah, I think people think I'm probably more woke than I am. People probably think my politics are better than I. Than I they are because I'm because I think a lot about what I say publicly, but I still and I, I've been trying lately in my stand up and on Twitter and stuff to admit more of the fucked up thoughts I have, so that so that people can relate to those things like having like a racist thought or a whatever, and then acknowledging it as like oh and, and saying to people this is a bad thing that I have had. Um, can I can I give you an example? Or yeah, is that, absolutely, yeah. please. So like, and this is like a bit humorous, um, and I've tried to do a stand up, and it hasn't quite worked. So this is can't wait for you to hear this bit. I've <laughs> well, thank, you, thank, thank you for rolling out your B material on my podcast, Michael. <laughs> like, I, I, okay, I went to I went to a, a, a I was in Toowoomba uh, last year, and I went to a Thai restaurant yep. with some friends. We were making a, this SBS documentary, "Where You're Really From," um, about the Sudanese community in Toowoomba, and we went to a Thai restaurant there, and I walked past the kitchen. And I looked in and I saw that one of the chefs in the kitchen was white. And my immediate thought was like, oh, this food's going to suck. Yeah. Right? Which I, I don't know. Like, like there, there, are, there are cookbooks. You know, there's no reason why this chef... He could be great. He could be the best fucking chef. He could be the best Thai food chef in the world. Could be the best Thai food chef in that uh, kitchen. Yeah, yeah. Despite the fact that he might be the only person who isn't Thai. Yeah, exactly. Right? But my, could be. But my thought is like, oh... Well, this is going to suck. <laughs> then, but i got to be honest with you, Hingis. My thought would have also been, this is going to suck. Like, this is funny. So, I, <laughs> I went back to the table and I said to my friends, there's a white, like, there's a white guy working in the kitchen. And, and they, like, are both, the, the people working on the document, they're both white. And they were like, oh, he's going to fuck it up. Like, yeah. They, like, yeah. We know. Yeah. And I, <laughs> it's like, not racist if it's true. <laughs> but then, like, I was thinking, like, if... If I was at like a, I don't know what white food, like if I was at a burger a shop. white food, if you're right. at a white, at a, at a sandwich shop. Yeah, right. And, but like, you know, and I saw a, white, I saw a Chinese yeah. person working there. I wouldn't be like, oh, this is going to suck. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't, I don't know. So This like, Chinese person can't make quiche. <laughs> How dare they think that they can make a beef wellington. <laughs> so like stuff like that, I, I am trying to talk more about on stage like, like stuff like that and also more serious stuff like yeah. that's like a funny example but more, more serious stuff as well I want to talk about more because I feel like people think that I think that I'm not flawed like that or that right. I don't have that I don't have um, bad political opinions that I that pop into my mind or thoughts well it's, it, it would be a mistake I believe of the the the, if there's a fault to the idea of like, because wokeness really, like, I mean, it can be mocked and whatever, but yeah. the truth of it is that the principle behind it is that we progress, we learn more, we get better. You know, I think they're all good, good mm. principles. The idea that you can be a 100% woke, that if, even if you're 100% woke right now, that some opinion that you have now, we won't learn in the future was... Like, you know, there has been ways of using language or, you know, ways that we've referred to people thinking it was the 
correct use of language yeah. that we've later discovered wasn't the correct use of language. Totally. Like, like the idea that there's someone who's ever going to be 100 percent sort of perfect. like yeah. In, yeah, perfect and without yeah. mistakes and without regrets and without things that they said without thinking or any of those sort of things, or that they just at the time did not know was the wrong thing to say yeah. that they now later do. Like that is the mistake. The yeah. mistake when we kind of you know, go, you need to be 100% woke and if there's any example of you not being woke, we're cancelling you is the mistake as opposed to that idea of just going, no, 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 no. Like, it, yes, we should be on this battle together to for us all to move forward. But that's if we don't acknowledge that that's going to come without with its stumbles, then we're that's a useless yeah. mission that we're on. And that has also affected the way... I think about trying to interact with other people, you know, like I don't, when, when a friend makes like a, I don't know, like, I guess comedians always do this. So it's not really comedians, but when it's like a non-comedian friend who makes like a non-ironic racist joke or something like that. uh, And you, you, it's like, I, I, I want to talk to them about that in a, in a non-canceling kind of way. Right. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to like like it's like my, my 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 friends from high school they're you know they're white dudes from the shire mostly or you know not exclusively but a lot of them are just white dudes from the shire and I love them dearly because I grew up with them from primary school and high school and stuff and the, but they say some pretty fucked up stuff sometimes you know and I've been trying to work out how I can talk to them about that stuff without shutting down the conversation because I do care about them and I don't want to just be like that's racist and then move on it's like how do I because I think they think that I think that I'm perfect in that way sometimes as well. And that I've never said anything or done anything inappropriate like that. And I definitely have. And they've been there for those times, you know. Yeah. So it, it's like, how do I, how do you have that conversation without making someone feel like you, you don't love them and you don't care for them? Yeah. That's a thing I've been thinking about a lot lately. And I don't, I don't know the answer yet. It, it's, it's like, because well, as soon I mean, as you say I the think, word I racist, think, it's I like, think there is a hard, it's a hard conversation yeah. to have. And, you know, I find myself in environments all the time where people, you know, probably are saying some things that... Working in commercial radio? Really? I mean, that? it would be <laughs> no, weird. It would be weird, Michael, but occasionally <laughs> at the Triple M Network. I mean, it's occasionally. Now, these things being documented publicly? On, well. on, on the rare occasion, someone will stumble into something. Um, but that's it. But it is. That's oh. where it's an interesting challenge to me. Yeah. And, and, you know, more broadly with my work, I think the mistake I made in the first couple of nights of the comedy festival was that I hadn't got to the point of remembering, you know, taking my ideas from here's what I believe or here's what I'm trying to express to here's how I can now communicate those ideas to a broader group of people, some of whom actually don't agree Absolutely. with what it is that I'm going to say. And Absolutely. that's, and that's the zone that is much harder but is obviously the most rewarding where you can talk to your mates from the Shire yeah. and nudge them further in the right direction without well, shutting I think it's the right direction. Yeah. Well, as yeah. in, but I, th- well, I, I think oh, that yeah. it is the right direction. Yes. Like, I mean, sorry, I was making nudging a people, yes. right, left no. thing there. I was just yes, trying exactly, yeah, to distinguish yes. that, but not yes. But yes, to nudge people in a, a movement forward. In a progressive kind of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that is a good thing to do. Mm. And if you can find a way of, rather than us, you know, splintering off and just never engaging with each other and talking to each other, that that is where the important work is is being done. Yeah. You and know. I think it's getting a lot better and easier to do that now than it was like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, right? Obviously. Um, one thing I've found really helps is talking uh, from a personal experience and being like, hey, I know this is like, it's such like weird therapy talk, but it's like when you said this thing, it made mm. me feel 
this way. Like, I think that's a really helpful way of framing yeah. these kinds of conversations because it's not... I think talking about the politics of things sometimes makes people retreat to their corners. And maybe that is important in like a... a, a, a like a cable news kind of scenario or something where everyone's trying to align their teams. But like in a personal scenario, and I don't even know if that's helpful then, but in a personal scenario, I don't think that people retreating to their corners is going to help anyone really. And if you're... Yeah, anyway, that's how I, you know... It is a good note to finish on, to be honest. Yeah. I like that. It's a really, it's a, a very positive uh, kind of idea, I think, to that we need to try to re-engage. And we need to kind of admit that we're all flawed and that mm. none of us is, you know, has some perfect set of opinions. And, you know, I mean, look, I had to, in fact, depending on when people hear this, I don't know if, uh, but I've had Carly Finlay on the podcast and she's, among other things, a brilliant author, but also a uh, disability advocate. And, yeah, one of the things that we've spoken about a bit is, yeah, the use of ableist language. And, mm. you know, I would never use racist and homophobic you know, language, but, you know, I don't think about, like, well, I haven't previously, you know, engaged enough around my use of words like, I don't know, loony or mental or these mm. sort of things, you know, words that, you know, have easily, you know, and, you know, we've had a conversation about it and she suggested that, you know, a good term is bananas, for example. And so I've been trying to at least just ch check myself when I do go, you know, I go, that guy's a loony politician. Yeah. I go, you know what? It, 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 you could equally say that guy's bananas. Also, bananas, it, it's got a hard B and it's, it's a right, funny word. It's a funny word. It's great, yeah. Like you've actually given me a funnier word <laughs> and I've started to really then like enjoy it. But it's just been about retraining it. Absolutely. Like catching myself when I'm saying it so easily yeah. and just replacing it with something else. And and was that conversation, I mean, I'm sure people may have heard this conversation, but that conversation, did it feel when you had it, did it feel judgmental or did it feel like that you were being attacked or anything? No, it, it felt, not it at all. Like, yeah. It felt like I was being offered, I mean, because I think that both of us trusted that we were having a conversation where I wasn't there going, you know, you're language policing me or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, and that I wanted, I wanted to understand from her point of view what she was saying. Absolutely. And then I wanted to sort of like, but that's not to say that I won't then at some stage say slip out and say that guy's mad or yeah. crazy or whatever. Yeah. You know, like it's a, I'm trying. Yeah. And I was engaged with on a way that encouraged me to try. And I think it's important that if I want, if, if I have expectations of other people, then I have a responsibility in that of engaging them in a way that would make them want to try. Absolutely. It's like, it's like how how do I treat... It, it's that, that golden rule. I treat people the, other, the way you would like to be treated, right? So uh, simple. So simple, Will. Hingers, good luck uh, becoming a senator. <laughs> yeah, getting um, a cushy $200,000 a year job. Mate, when I'm in the Senate, I'm going to haul you in front of Senate estimates. We're going to go through the goal of Gruen's budgets. I'm yeah. going <laughs> to... Um, mate, you know, you, 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 they'll want more Gruen. It's like it's advertising on the ABC. You can make... <laughs> You can make that thing very, very profitable. <laughs> Look, we've only got a couple of changes. You show all the ads and you don't say bad things about them. It's the new ABC. Uh, where can people find you, Hingers? Where can they follow what you're doing and um, all these sort of things? At Twitter. Uh, sorry, at Hingers on Twitter or on Facebook. Just look up Michael Hing. Or my website is oneasianparty.com, which sounds like a sex thing now that I've said it out loud. That, anyway. Uh, <laughs> it really does. Yeah. Oh, you boy. might get a few, <laughs> few random disappointed people logging <laughs> on to that. <laughs> Um, thanks so much for having me on, Will. I really appreciate Cheers, it. Cheers, mate.